Section four of Modern Magic. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Modern Magic A Practical Treatise on the Art of Conjuring by Professor Lewis Hoffman. General Principles of Sleight of Hand Applicable to Card Tricks. Part three. To get sight of a drawn card. The power of doing this is a sine qua non for the conjurer. As already mentioned, even the most expert operator cannot be absolutely certain of forcing the card which he desires, and a novice is very likely indeed to find a wrong card occasionally drawn. It is therefore necessary to be provided with a remedy for such a contretemps. One mode of meeting the difficulty is to allow the card to be returned to the pack, make the pass to bring it to the top, and palm it, immediately giving the pack to be shuffled, and in so doing to get sight of the card which remains in your own hand, and can in due time be reproduced in any way you please. See figure 15. For the present purpose we assume that you do not desire to retain possession of the card, but merely wish to know its suit and value. This may be ascertained as follows. First method. Ask the drawer to return his card to the pack which you offer for the purpose in the left hand, spreading the pack fanwise in order that he may insert the card where he pleases. As he replaces the card, slip the little finger of the left hand below it and close the fan. You now have the pack held in the palm of the left hand, but divided just below the chosen card by the little finger, the three remaining fingers being on the top. Offer the cards to be shuffled, or make any gesture you like with the pack, at the same moment slightly straightening the fingers. The effect of this movement will be to lift the upper packet and thus open the pack bookwise, the opening being towards yourself and the lowest card of the top heap, which is the card you desire to ascertain, being for the moment in full view. See figure 22. Second method. Proceed as above, but instead of opening the pack to get sight of the card, bring it secretly to the bottom by the pass and offer the cards to be shuffled, holding them at the upper end between the thumb and first and second finger of the right hand, and slanting from you at an angle of forty-five degrees, as in figure fifteen. As the faces are towards you, you have a full view of the card. Even if it should suggest itself to the audience that you are able to see the bottom card, as they are not aware that the chosen card is now in that position, there is nothing to excite their suspicion. You may, by way of variety, instead of offering the cards to be shuffled, hold them in the right hand, and make the single-handed ruffle above discovered, at the same time turning their faces slightly towards yourself. You may effect the same object, and even more simply, by the mere act of passing the pack from the one hand to the other, keeping the bottom card turned inward as above. To slip a card. Hold the pack in the left hand, having first slightly moistened the fingers, which should rest upon the back of the cards. Open the pack bookwise at an angle of about forty-five degrees, holding the upper packet lengthways between the thumb and second finger of the right hand. Draw this upper packet smartly upwards to a distance of two or three inches from the lower packet. See figure 23. The top card of the upper packet, being held back by the pressure of the fingers upon it, will not move upwards with the rest of the packet, but immediately the remaining cards are clear, will fold itself down on the top of the lower packet, if the top card of the lower packet to be examined before and after the slip, the card will appear to have changed, the fact being that the original top card becomes the second after the slip, the slip card covering it. To draw back a card. Glisser la carte. The performer shows the bottom card, then dropping the pack into a horizontal position, face downwards, he draws out, with the thumb and second finger of the other hand, apparently that card, but really the next above it. This is effected as follows. Hold the pack upright in the left hand between the first finger and thumb, 
the back of the cards towards the palm, and the thumb and finger about the middle of each side of the pack. Let the third finger, which should be previously moistened, rest on the face of the cards. See figure 24. You will find that in this position, by moving the third finger, you can draw back the bottom card about an inch below the remaining cards, and thereby leave exposed a corresponding portion of the next card. See figure 25. This is the whole mechanism of the operation. You must of course take care, after showing the bottom card, to turn the pack downward before you slide back that card in order to draw the next card in its place. To turn over the pack. There are certain tricks, as for instance where you have undertaken to produce a given card at a particular number in the pack, for which it is necessary to deal a certain number of cards from the top, and then, without the spectator's knowledge, continue the deal from the opposite end of the pack. As a necessary preliminary, you must face the cards, i.e., bring the upper and lower portions face to face. This you have already been taught to do by means of the pass. Whichever way the pack is turned, it will now, of course, show backs only. Take the pack flat in the left hand, the fingers clipping it rather tightly, but without the aid of the thumb. Pass the thumb underneath, and with the ball of the thumb press the pack smartly upwards. See figure 26 when it will describe a semi-revolution on its longest axis, the lower face of the pack being thereby brought uppermost. If performed with the hand at rest, the movement is very perceptible, but if you at the same time make a semicircular sweep of the hand and arm from the left to right, the smaller movement of the pack in the hand is much less likely to attract notice. To spring the cards from one hand to the other. This is a mere flourish, and belongs rather to the art of the juggler than to that of the magician, but it is so frequently exhibited by conjurers that a work on magic could hardly be complete without some notice of it. The cards are held in the right hand between the tips of the second and third finger at the top and the thumb at the bottom. If the thumb and fingers are now brought slowly nearer together so as to bend the cards slightly, they will, one by one, in quick succession, beginning with the bottom card, spring away from the pack and if the pressure be continued the whole of the cards will spring away one after the other in this manner if the left hand be ten or twelve inches distance from the right with the finger slightly bent the released cards will be shot into the left hand which as the last cards reach it should be rapidly brought palm to palm with the right and square up the pack to repeat the process by giving the body a quick half-turn to the right as the cards are sprung from one hand to the other you may make the hands and with them the moving cards describe an arc of about two feet and so deceive the eye of the spectator into the belief that the hands are that distance apart, though in reality, as they both move together in the same direction, they retain their original relative distance of ten to twelve inches. To throw a card. This slight also belongs rather to the ornamental than to the practical part of conjuring, but it is by no means to be despised. It is a decided addition to a card trick for the performer to be able to say, you observe, ladies and gentlemen, that the cards I use are all of perfectly ordinary character, and by way of offering them for examination, to send half a dozen in succession flying into the remotest corners of the hall or theatre. The card should be held lightly between the first and second fingers in the position shown in figure 27. The hand should be curved inward toward the wrist, and then straightened with a sudden jerk, the arm being at the same time shot sharply forward. The effect of this movement is that the card, as it leaves the hand, revolves in the plane of its surface in the direction indicated by the dotted line, and during the rest of its course maintains such revolution. This spinning motion gives the flight of the card a strength and directness which it would seem impossible to impart to so small and light an object. A skilled performer will propel cards in this way to a distance of sixty or eighty feet, each card traveling with the precision and well-nigh the speed of an arrow shot from a bow. The movement, though perfectly simple in theory, is by no means easy to acquire in practice. 
indeed we know no slight which as a rule it give more trouble at the outset but after a certain amount of labor with little or no result the student suddenly acquires the desired knack and thenceforward finds no difficulty in the matter the bridge the object of the bridge is to enable the performer with ease and certainty to cut or otherwise divide the pack at a given card it is made as follows holding the cards in the left hand with the thumb across the pack the performer covers them for an instant with his right hand as if about to make a pass grasping the pack between the thumb and second finger of this hand he bends the whole of the cards slightly inwards over the first finger of the left hand immediately afterwards bending the upper or outward portion of the pack backward in the opposite direction the effect of the double movement is that the two halves of the pack are bent in a double concave form though in a much less degree if the cards be now cut the concave portions instead of being as at first back to back will be face to face leaving in the centre of the pack an elliptical opening of a maximum width of about an eighth of an inch this slight hiatus in the middle will generally cause a person who is invited to cut to do so at that particular point and will in any case enable the performer either to cut or to make the pass at that point with the greatest ease the cases in which the bridge may be employed with advantage will be more particularly indicated when we come to practically apply the processes already described but it has a special use which may be at once mentioned it will be remembered that some of the false shuffles already described leave the cards as if cut though they in other respects retain their prearranged order and it therefore becomes necessary to again cut them at a particular point in order to bring them back to their original condition this point is ascertained by the use of the bridge the cards are first bent in the manner described above the false shuffle is then made leaving the cards in effect cut but by again cutting or making the pass at the bridge they are once more precisely as at first we have endeavored to be as explicit as possible in the foregoing description of the different sleight-of-hand processes so that the reader may by following our instructions closely be able to teach himself unassisted to perform the various movements described we have done our best to make our descriptions intelligible and trust that we have fairly succeeded we should however strongly advise any student who desires to make rapid progress to take if possible a few preliminary lessons under the personal guidance of a competent performer professional or amateur it is an old saying that an ounce of example is worth a pound of precept and a reader who has once or twice seen the processes we have described practically illustrated by skillful hands will not only avoid the difficulties which are sure to be at first found in even the clearest written instructions but will escape the formation of bad habits which it may take much time and trouble to eradicate should the novice seek such assistance he must not expect to find that any one performer uses indifferently all the processes we have described every professor has his own favorite methods of procedure and generally speaking pours scorn and contumely upon all others or in the words of byron a little altered compounds for slights he has a mind to by damning those he's not inclined to the student who commences his labors without such assistance must make his own selection in the pass we should recommend him to stick to the first method the remaining passes being rather curious than useful among the false shuffles the first third fifth and sixth will be found the most effective for the remaining processes he may be guided by his own taste and the greater or less facility with which his fingers adapt themselves to one or the other of them the various slights above described will cost the student some time and perseverance before they are fairly mastered and until they are so it is hopeless to attempt any of the more brilliant feats for his amusement in the meantime we subjoin a few tricks for which sleight of hand is not necessary but which if performed with neatness intact will cause considerable astonishment to the uninitiated end of section four